0: Welcome to New Generation Church with Pastor Ephraim Lopez. Your life, that word that somebody gave you years ago, that, that that word that you believe the Lord one day in a sermon that's like, I'm gonna take that, I'm gonna run with it, it's coming to fulfillment. Those seasons, can you think of those seasons? As free from setbacks? Can you think of a season where you've been blessed without an obstacle? Or can you say without a doubt, this is a time to laugh. This is a time to rejoice. And I'm convinced, like the preacher said, Solomon. That in the season of laugh. And there's a season to cry and weep. You guys remember that scripture? There's a season to laugh and there's a season to weep. And those are not mutually exclusive. They can happen in the same, the same day. They can happen in the same week. They can happen in the same year. When you say, God is blessing me, increasing. And yet again, here I am weeping because there's things that God wants to get through, He wants to teach you certain lessons. Both can happen in the same season. So don't think that because you're crying and one day that God is not in control. He's not using you. He's not, you're not in the season where you can actually laugh. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this day, Lord. I thank you for this season, Lord, that we're experiencing right now. I thank you for the revival, Lord, that we're going to experience and we are experiencing, Lord, of humbling, of going and seeking your face consistently, Lord, or not giving up when we think that this is the end of it. I, I prayed it all. I've said it all. I've done it any way possible. I fasted. I prayed. I cried. I laughed. I shrugged it off. But not today, Lord. We're seeking you with all our hearts, Lord. It is a season of renewal of vows, Lord. And it is a season, Lord, when we're going to value time spent with you. Tears shed in your presence, Lord. And I pray, I thank you, Lord, for it reflects the fruit of our sowing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Understand, church, that I don't know if you know this, but there is a benefits to weeping. I'm not here to preach to the choir we know that there's a season for everything in this life of course a tragedy death illness might be a reason why you might be feeling like you need to cry like there's 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 things building up in your heart but I'm going to give you some um some of the reasons why I I think some of you guys keep things tense in your hindsight of your heart I know I do I know sometimes I'm stressed and, 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 and I function well. I get the job done. But there's tension building, stress building inside of my heart. And what happens in the seasons is that if you do not relieve, relieve that, not even the good things you're going to enjoy, it's going to flood the laughter. Like the, like the seven skinny cows ate the seven fat cows of Joseph. Those tears are going to drain and drown you, your joy that you experience. So it is for your own mental health and spiritual health that you go to the Lord in, in confidence and say, why am I, Why do I feel like I need to do this? Shedding tears will relieve your, your, your stress. Some of the hormones like cortisol that are stress hormones, once it's released through your body, it adds it, it, your, your tears act like a decreaser because that's, that's what they're there for. Don't be ashamed. I'm not saying, I'm not promoting here a soft culture. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that we all know that we all do and we all need to do it. I remember Salvador de Lutri, a pastor in Argentina. He preached in his father's funeral. He preached there and he was strong as an oak. He says, I have faith that guy, he's in heaven. He's saved. He taught me well. He was an encouragement. And, the, and, and he says that two days later, he couldn't get off of bed. And he went to the doctor for physical, physical ailments. He says, physically, I feel drained. The doctor says, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to give you a prescription. This is a prescription, he says. You need to go. Have you been alone? No. He's like, everybody comforts me. Yeah, yeah, everybody's there. Okay, I'm gonna, the doctor says, I want you to prescription. Go to the cemetery by yourself. You need, to, you, need to, you need to deal with this, cope with this. You need to like accept it. He calls his wife. His wife's like, I'm going to go right now. I'm going. Where are you? It's like, don't come. Doctors orders prescriptions. I got that prescription. I got to go do it. He said that after being in the presence of God at a cemetery, the body of his father and by himself he says that he finally was able to get up and regain strength well i'm gonna i'm not gonna be weeping no 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 you need to restrengthen your life and sometimes i'm gonna go into detail on why god does this it releases mood boosting hormones again some of the things like oxycontin that you you buy in the store or they they prescribe those are things that are natural in your body and they help you like get your mood going in a better that's why it's addictive but it triggers production of mood boosting endorphins and things like that and this i'm just reading off of of a of an article it relieves emotional pain and physical pain like i just told you right now with this brother It also gives people the signal that something's wrong and they need, we're made as relational beings, we need somebody's arm, somebody's hand on our shoulder to say, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you, sister. We need to surround ourselves with people that are full of empathy and that have connection. Remember, tears will bring you closer to somebody else. Your tears will draw you near to the Lord. Do not feel bitter. Allow yourself to be comforted by the Spirit. The Bible says, "Blessed are those who weep, for they shall be comforted." And for another fact, fun fact, I didn't know that. I didn't think it was possible. But it says it cools off your brain, cools your brain down, increases. It says it, 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 overheated brain will give you a bad mood. Lord have mercy, hot head. <laughs> Hallelujah meanwhile crying it's especially sobbing it says and I, how many of you have been there or maybe you're there right now that you have this thing that you go battling and you just feel like sobbing and sobbing you feel closer to god when you do it in bed but it might be in my private it might be in the altar it might be uh, with your wife and the intimacy of your household that says i, I need to i need to get this out of my chest I need to make space for the Holy Spirit to work. I need to make space for joy to f- fulfill me. And it says right here that, and Eddie Garcia is going to relate with this. It improves your sleep. When you are stressed out about something and holding something too tight, you can't sleep. And, and some of you guys that are first responders will know this. This, the, the nervous system has two modali- modalities, sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetic means fight or flight. Your blood vessels start, they, they become um, contracted and the, most of the blood goes to your brain and the main functions of your vital organs. And that's when you get like, your eyes pupils get very tiny and you start running. You say, I'm going to stay, or I'm going to fight. This is, this is where you, uh, sometimes it's, it's hard uh, you, you don't even know where you got that adrenaline rush. That's what it is. The parasympathetic parasymp- system. So you're always on the fight, fighting mode. And it says that when you cry, when you weep, you relax. In the, your parasympathetic system says it's time to relax. It's time to come home. It's time to land the plane. It's time to turn it down a notch. And before you know it, you grow bitter. Before you know it, you go wary. Before you know it, you're gonna start resenting the Lord. You're gonna start resenting their loved ones. You gotta come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm weak, but you're strong. I'm small, but you're big. And start comparing and contrasting and say, Lord, I can, but you can. Joseph heard his brothers recounting. This is a few men that whipped, whipped in the Bible. They wept for very different reasons. Joseph wept for he had been done. The people had wronged them. And he remembered the hurt. Genesis 42 to 20, 42 and 24. I was going to the New Living Translation. Genesis 20, uh, 42. Praise the Lord. It says right here. Hallelujah. Percy, that's my phone. It's connected right here. So that's why it's going. Praise God. It would have been a, a cool thing. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. It says right here in verse 24. Now he turned away. It says in verse 23 that he heard his brothers through an interpreter. They didn't know he understood. He was speaking Egyptian to them. And the brothers were talking among them in their native language, Hebrew. And they were saying, we should have not done it. We shouldn't have sold them. We shouldn't have wanted to kill him. We wronged them, And now God is repaying us. And the Bible says that Joseph had to walk away and wept. See, your past might be chasing you right now. And you have to learn that when your time comes to face that giant that you've been running away, hiding away from, that you put away. He named one of his sons Manasseh. Means God has made me forgot. But God doesn't forget and he knows when there's something occupying a space in your heart, there is no way he can work when, if it's there, especially unforgiveness. And Joseph wept when he had a deal with his past, when he had a deal with others hurting him. You have to deal with people left and right hurting you. Jesus said, forgive them. Jesus said, put the other cheek. Understand that it's not worth it to always be on the fighting mode. And when he saw that God has kept his brother. See, he didn't know that his brother Benjamin was alive. For all he knew, the last time he saw his brothers, they would have taken him out as well. And his prayer was, may they keep. Benjamin safe made Benjamin suffered no hurts and Joseph saw Benjamin the Bible says in verse 40 in chapter 43 and he did the same thing as I "I can't believe that God has kept them up to this point because sometimes when you you have an expectation I I, I don't know if you one of those persons people that have very low expectations so you're like I knew it wasn't gonna happen. So you, you always keep your bar very low. And, and Joseph might have thought, I, I, when you keep that bar very low, it's hard for you to get impressed. But let me tell you something, it, it, it takes a lot of energy when, when, when you keep the bar low. It's like, oh, I, I, nobody loves me. I'm not gonna do it. I'm okay with it. I knew they were gonna fail. That, that's something that is not healthy. You have to believe the Lord. Understand, you, you put a goal that is attainable, but don't put the bar low. You're always going to live like, like Joseph saying, with tension, with expectation. Is it going to happen? And when he saw his brother, he couldn't hold it. He's like, oh my God, God heard my prayer. And we realized that his brothers were transformed. And this is one of the most, I cry every time I read it, when Judah says, Take me instead of Benjamin. Benjamin was accused of of stealing from Joseph. And this was a setup. God was using Joseph to test the brothers and to convince Joseph that his brothers were different than when they left. They weren't the same people. God was working in the midst. Judah says, take me instead of the boy. I already killed one of my brothers. And I have seen my father's grief keep Me instead of the boy. Can you believe that? When you see somebody transformed by the grace of God, somebody that was a lost lost cause. Can somebody say amen this morning? Because somebody was a lost cause and you are not going to rejoice. And let me tell you, Genesis 44 says that Joseph saw his brother Judah a different man. And he said in Genesis 45, he says, right here, said 45, 8. He says, right here, 8. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to the Pharaoh, a manager of his entire palace, and a governor of Egypt. Church, he cried when he realized that all his 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 nights not knowing what happened to his brother fighting to forget what happened to him were not in vain and God had a plan all along God had a plan all along God knew amen so he wept in re- reaction to what God has was doing and in reaction To dealing with this past. You need to deal with that. You need to deal with it when you confront it. If it still makes you upset. That means you're still hurt. And what happens with hurt. It begets hatred. And sometimes the daughter will devour the mother. Let me say that again. Hurt. We have a daughter named hatred. And the hatred will make that she's, hatred is going to feed off of hurt and going to continue to provoke it. And if you're hating and hurting, that means you're not healing. That's from J.D. Greer. If you're hurting, if you're hating, that means you can't be healing. And the healing needs to come through an, a, a relationship with God. Joseph, when he went to weep, he didn't just weep and said, oh, I hate him so much. He says, I I love him so much, but they did this to me. And now that that my brother's here, I know that something's going on. Something went on when I was in my absence. In my absence, where God was protecting me, he was dealing with them harshly. And not for their destruction, but for their own salvation. Since God's dealing with you harshly in an area, it's not because he wants to destroy you. It's because he wants to restore you. He doesn't want to see you. It's better to go into the kingdom of God without a limb and without an eye, eyeball. Jesus said, if God needs to pluck it out, and this is not literal, it's just symbolically, he will to save your soul, to get you into the kingdom of God. To get you to heaven. The second person I want to talk to you guys about. Is Hezekiah. A king in, in Judah. Uh, he had been given a warning by Isaiah. In 2 Kings 22 to 3 The warning says something like this. Get your house in order. Because you will die. You will die in three days. Or two days. I don't I, I remember. I recall. It says says go, go and get your house in order. Because you're going to die. And the Bible says that. Hezekiah's response strikes me because he says, remember that I've been faithful, that I walk with you. And in Chronicles, check this out. It says that, it records this and says that he was prideful. He was healed and he was prideful. So he struggled with pride, a pride of of self-righteousness. When you are very, your very church might be something that comes out natural to you. And so instead of being the person that struggles with open sin, you must struggle with internal. So Joseph cried because others have heard him. And there's things going on inside. Hezekiah struggled with his own image. And what he said was striking me because what really mattered was not what he said. But right after he says that he wept bitterly. And sometimes, no matter how much you tell God you're going to do something or you're going to change something or I'm done with this, Lord, I'm doing, I'm, I'm changing. That's it. That's the last time you're going to hear from me on this matter. But what really, really he's hearing is your bitter weeping. When, when he knows that he really struck a vein and really, really hurting because some lessons hurt and you need to let go. And you need to really, really repent. Not on only like say, oh, I feel sorry, but repent and change your ways. That's what really spoke. Let's read that verse. I'm going to go to 2 Kings with me. 2 Kings uh, 20. Praise God. Verse 2 to 3. Hezekiah heard. He turned his face to the wine and prayed, remember, O Lord, how I always been faithful to you. Anybody could say that. I've been faithful to the Lord 20 years by the grace of God. It hasn't been clean. It's not a clean slate. Don't get me wrong. It's a salvage title. It's not a clean title. <laughs> they the, the, turned to his face unto the wall and prayed the Lord. Remember, O oh Lord, that I'm faithful to you. I have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. That was true. Then he broke down. He broke down and wept bitterly. That's what God really heard. Not what he said. Anybody could say that. I said it many times. But what he really heard was a sincere, I'm broken down. I am to the end of myself. That is it, Lord. He surrendered. And before I say I left the courtyard, he says that he returned and said, go back and tell him that I heard that. And second, in Chronicles 32, 24, it says that he was healed that time. That God gave him 15 years. But then he sinned again because he allowed visitors from Babylon and he repented. So what I want to tell you right now is that he showed mercy, what really strikes me is God's mercy. Even when he struggled with pride, he had an overvalued sense of confidence. I'm too, I'm too much. I'm too good for church. I'm too good for what the Christians, how they worship, all of that. I'm too good. He, and I'm gonna tell you something. God had to carve out out of that stone a place to dwell, a place to put a humble heart. Sometimes God had to, has to carve it out to make space for His presence, for His uh, 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 for a uh, for a place of intimacy. Amen. The hard pride will harden you, but I, I, like I said again, God will use these moments. For you to reap. And say, Lord, I'm reaping what I've sowed. I, I walked into this one. Now I can't let go. It has me by the neck. I can't let go. I can't shake it off. It's been years. That I pray and pray and struggle and struggle and pray and pray and struggle and struggle to the point where you're, the only thing that you have is your tears. And say, This is it. Because God is carving it out like a coconut. Carving it out. Getting it all out. He can't let you have it. Because if you keep it like Hezekiah, you're going to fall into it again. Amen. Number three, Jeremiah. He wrote in a in Jeremiah 9. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 1. Jeremiah wrote a book about the laments. He was the weeping prophet for a reason. Because he was the only prophet that actually, well, not only prophet, but he documented, I wept. Even if it says verse one, if I only, if only my head were a pool of water in my house, a fountain of tears, I would weep day and night for all the people have been slaughtered and he saw not only did he warn them and he saw them harden and he saw them rebel and ignore them and 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 i've seen people and and i I sometimes have fallen into this category where i've been warned don't go there and i go and now i'm weeping and i many sunday mornings i woken up and say lord these people are not listening these people are going oh, on Saturday, coming here. <clears throat> they're not doing, they, they're, they're taking it, but it's like the seed spread on the road. It's not sticking. And I'm not saying as i re- not, I'm not reproaching anything. I'm just saying this is a reality in your ministry. You might say, I'm done <clears throat> with ministry. I already did it. I tried it. I already, I'm experienced. I have have no expectations. I have very low expectations for ministry. You can dwell like that for years. But I'm here to remind you guys. Weep unto the Lord. Because that showed that Jeremiah really, really believed what he was preaching. And there's more in Jeremiah. If If you are weeping right now for the people. And I am weeping for the people that have walked out. That's fine. It happens. Believe me, I don't want it. But there's a time to laugh. There's a time to weep. There's a time to stop. I just gave you a license for you to come to the presence of God and, 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 and be yourself and be real with God. Understand that, that you're not going to get nowhere with, with, with building up and, and playing a strong man. That you are, as you, in the face of God, you are naked and destitute. The Bible says to the church of Philadelphia, I believe, you are, you are destitute. Thyatira. Laodicea. I'm going to go right now. He tells one of the churches, Laodicea, you are naked Can't see your nakedness. So come to the Lord. Repent. A time to stop. God will step in sometimes to remind you. That you have no control over his sovereign will. That you will control the outcomes that is not in your hands. Weep. As somebody that can, that is seeking for hope, but don't weep. As somebody that wants to remain in their pain. Samuel, first, first Samuel 16:1, Samuel is weeping because Saul has sinned and rebelled against the Lord. You want to know what the Lord tell, tells him? Let's go to first Samuel 16. This is God. It says, now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as a king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there. And I have selected have one of his sons to be my king. You've too long. Don't do it too long. To the point where that is what you eat every day. The psalmist said, my tears have been my bread day and night. But there's a season to stop. There's another opportunity. There's another king to be anointed, Samuel. You anointed the first king of Israel and you thought that was it. But your job is not over yet. I know you love them, but you're going to love David even more. For, for Saul King, ten, Saul king killed 1,000 and David's going to kill 10,000. The king that you're going to anoint is going to be even greater than the one you've anointed. And he did it to himself. Don't take that responsibility. You cry for him as if it was your fault that he failed. He failed on his own. And that is, that's not my part. Now you don't weep no more for that, that you lost. Don't weep no more for that that is gone. For there's a new opportunity, a new beginning. There is a new king that I am going to have you anoint. You're not going to die before I show myself that I am faithful to you, Samuel. So get up. Girdle your loins. And do it again. It's time to stop. If you have been crying... And you see see that you're going worse and worse into a depressive state. Tell the Lord, help me. I cannot fix that. But help me be strong because I still got things to do. Joshua was to get up. He lost Ai. He won Jericho. He was too confident. And God said, get up, Joshua. Why are you in your face? I let you do it. It was necessary. I see that you're broken, but it's time to dust it off. Because instead of looking at your self-defeats, I want you to perform a self-evaluation. Instead of pursuing self-pity, I want you to find self-assurance that I am with you. That I told you you were going to give the land as an inheritance to the Israelites. Do you think this is over because you had a little setback? I'm letting you reckon. It's your day of reckoning. To tie. It's a time to, reckoning means it's a time to come into account. Maybe you have a few pending installments somewhere in your account. It's a day of reckoning. It's time to get right with God. And, 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 and then your time of reckoning to clear the account, that's what reckoning means, is over. You came here. You understood the problem was a little bit of your pride, but there's more things going on. I need you to get up. It's not over because your time of increase is still yet to come. He had won one battle and he thought it was all that. Now he's like, no, nope. I'm going to show you with this little setback. Hallelujah. That you're going to go in my name with me, my strength that I sent you. So don't be looking for self-pity assurance in the Lord, your God. Don't be doing self-defeat. self evaluate What's going on, Lord? Look at my heart, Lord. Many times on this altar, I come and said, Lord, I'm reaping what I sowed. Oh, I'm reaping what I sowed. Oh, they were looking at me. They saw me. They saw how I did it. And now, um, now I can't stop because I'm addicted to that. I'm addicted to appraisal from people, validation from people, fear. Ooh, they respect me. I'm addicted to that. I don't know if you've been there, but they, oh man, I, I, I'm, I love the fact that they fear me. They're, they're scared. They won't tell me anything. Stop. It's time to get up. But there's tears. That are tears that are in a different, they're, they're in a different reality. They're in a different category. There's tears of of gratitude. And I was listening to somebody say that the gate, the floodgates of, of worship start with gratitude. When you start saying thank you, Lord, we don't say it because it's a magical word. We start saying, Lord, And this Holy Spirit starts reminding you how good God is. He starts reminding you of the love of Christ. Guilt couldn't do it. Amen. Put downs didn't do it. But the love of God did it. This patient did it. The the woman, look at this. I'm going to read you a story. In Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. It's going to be a little long, but I want you to stay with me. One day, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard that he was eating there, he brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind them at his feet, weeping. You think these tears were of sadness? Maybe. But there's a little more to this. There were tears of worship. There were tears of relief. There were tears of of falling in love with God. There were tears of somebody that received what they were asking for, that were looking everywhere and couldn't find it, but they found it in the person of Jesus Christ. At the feet of Jesus, at the very lowest place, his tears fell on his feet. Have your tears fall on Jesus' feet. Don't have your tears go in vain. Fall at Jesus' feet. Because you can cry and get bitter and nothing changes. But when you bring your tears to the feet of Jesus, let me tell you, they fell and she wiped them off with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet, putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. And I can see him say like, a ver, see what you got. I mean, if you you really were a prophet, you would know. Then he told them, my men loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could pay, repay, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debt. I'm going to ask you a question. Who do you think, so who do you suppose love him more than that? Who do you think loves more of God? The person that believes that God didn't, that didn't forgive me all that. I wasn't all that bad. But the, the, the ex-gang member, the ex-prison con, the, 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 the ex-criminal, the ex, uh, Maybe the prostitute, like we always say, the drug addict, maybe he, he needs to come here. And, then, and many times they do because they know what it is to be bound in chains. And sometimes us that grew up in church, I grew up in church. I, I can tell you my, my, my sins are very internal. And sometimes I committed them. But I act as if I owed 500 denarii. I act as if I owed 500 pieces of silver when I go to the Lord. like, Lord, I know your grace is big, but the bar shouldn't be low. It should be high always. And when I do commit something, when I'm, I'm bound to something, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to pay the price and seek the face of God because two things are going to happen. I'm going to be delivered and through it too, i I'm going to be anointed because I'm going to be close to the presence of God. And never, like any time before, I'm going to be for sure that I have a calling. That God is doing this to split the, it, my heart. Because he can't work with their stuff in there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pay the I'm going to, if God forgave you 500 or 550, act the same way. He says right here, I suppose the one who, whom the larger debt was canceled. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to a woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I enter your home, you didn't offer me water to wash or dust my feet. But he, she has washed them with her tears wiped with them with hair. I've heard people, I've said it all the time, that say, how is it that I'm going to go to a church and a former drug addict is going to tell me how to live my life? Law enforcement. I'm educated. I'm a veteran. Lord have mercy. How is it that I'm gonna learn anything from a former ganguero or from a drug addict, or how is it that that a former—I've um, had people give me prophecy, and they were they were they were ex cholas. As a matter of fact, they still have their eyebrows, and but they were they were sisters redeemed by washed by the blood, with plain blue dark uh, blue navy shirts. And, and, and she gave me a word, and I believe it to this day. I could easily say, well, I'm a, I'm a veteran. I've never been in the streets. I cannot learn anything from anybody from the streets. They're below me. But that's not what I do. I know that God took me out and took them out, and the same God that lives in me lives in them. And there's no longer Greek nor Jew, woman or man, slave or free, that we are the same and, and, and this, is, this is not to say, I'll tell you something. This is not to say that Simon didn't have any sins. But he says, let's, let's, let's do an example. Let's say you are the one that owes 50. But look at what he says. From my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from time to time, I first came in. She hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of Olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with red perfume. I'll tell you her sins, that, and they are many, have been forgiven and she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And I think, quite frankly, what Jesus says, we're saying, you think you have, you have nothing that I have to forgive you, and that's why you're not going to go justified. You think you don't have any, any sins. You think you might be like Joseph. Well, people have hurt me. That's why I'm here at church. That's why I need God to protect me from them. Or you might say, you know, like Jessica, you know, I think I got work to do. Not that, I'm not a bad person overall. The Bible says that you're dead in your trespasses and sins. If it wasn't for the grace of God, a gift of salvation. Or you might be a minister that is discouraged today. I got a ministry, and it's not going anywhere. Believe me. Those tears of gratitude. Those tears of worship. The Pharisee, worsh—this she knew that she couldn't repay. And in her mourning, she turned to dancing. She was crying, saying, I, I couldn't believe. Because I'm a woman. I-, I can't go near the synagogue. I can't go to the temple. I can't read the scriptures. How am I going to know God if I'm not close to the Torah? But greater than the Torah, the law in the temple was there before her. The one who says, your sins are forgiven to you. And from that day, her tears were no longer of despair, but they were tears of worship, of dancing. Psalms thirty eleven says, he has turned my mourning into dancing. This is what what Mark 49 says. He didn't give so many details, but he says that this is what Jesus says. Wherever this gospel is preached, this woman will not be forgotten. Many others were forgotten. Simon, we only know the bad side of Simon the Pharisee, but we know much about this woman, what she did. Wherever this gospel is preached, Isaiah 43, 25 says, I have blotted out your sin and I will remember no more. But I'll remember your worship. I won't remember uh, the, the failures. I'll remember your service. I will forget what you, when, when you were unfaithful, indifferent, cold. But I will remember the days that you came to me in sincerity. You came to me with passion. You came to me determined. That I, you needed something from me and you had faith and believed me. I will remember your faithfulness, says the Lord. I forget that. And when this woman washed her feet, says the Lord, I, the Lord said, I will remember. The Lord says to you, I will remember. Tears of worship when you come to me. Jeremiah couldn't quiet down. You know what happened with Jeremiah? This is what happens to Jeremiah. If you thought he, he was just crying... And yes, he saw the destruction. But this is what happened to Jeremiah, and I'd like to point it out. Jeremiah 20 verse 9 says, But if I say I will never mention the name of the Lord, how many, how many, how many can say, I don't think I'm going to preach again. I don't think I'm going to be in a pulpit again. I don't think there's more hope for me. I think that's it. Y la manita, And I'm going to just in and out and hot and cold and hot and cold. It says right here, I'm done. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak his name, his word, it would in my heart, burns in my heart like a fire. It's like fire in my bones. I'm worn of trying to hold it in. I can't. do it. Jeremiah wanted to keep quiet. But he said something in this. He remembers something in Psalms 126. For if you sow with tears, you will rejoice in your harvest. There will be rejoice in your harvest. Psalms 126. We go, go with me to Psalms 20, uh, 126. Right here it says, No way that I'll forget your tears. It says, Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed. Like Jeremiah, like you and I, you weep and for your children. You pray. You say, Lord, I want this child to love, know you and love you. And you've sown the seed. You remind them. I remember my mom always saying, you're invited to church. And I know she wept and cried for me to come back to the Lord, but I didn't seem to care about God. I didn't see a need for church. My dad was a good man. I didn't see a need to come to God. But they will sing as they return with harvest. You might need to go to the Lord today and open up your heart and say, I need I need a relief. I need a break. I cost it. Others cost it. Or my, you might be one of those that say, I'm done with ministry and I'm done with with uh, going and giving my life for others so they don't appreciate. Building for them to leave and having to rebuild again. But the day will come, the Bible says, that he shall wipe out all tears. And instead he sh- instead of instead of tears, tears of Job will flow out of you. While you pray, says Jeremiah. While I pray, Jeremiah 31, 9. I'm going to give him a stream of soothing waters. Hallelujah. A peace in the middle of the storm. Health in your heart and clarity in your mind. That's the promise of God today. And you might say, well, I, I went to my therapist. And the therapist might point things out. But they have no power to heal you. They have no power to drive it through. They might set you at the door, but then what you're going to do about it? They're going to open the wound. Hallelujah. The wound is open. What am I going to do now that I pinpoint what's the problem? Maybe they'll help you pinpoint your resentment or your trauma or your hurts. A therapist. But they have no power to drive it home to transform a heart. They have no power to do what God can do. What it says here in Jeremiah 39, 31, it says right here, I love it. Jeremiah 31, 9. It says, ears of Job will stream down from their faces and I will lend them home with great care. They will walk beside quiet streams and a smooth paths paths where they will not stumble. For I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my older child. While you seek him, I have not been there, but I've been there. Where I'm frustrated that things are not changing in my life, and I can see good times, and I see the blessing. But the blessing is is is, is flooded by this these tears. seasonal laugh, and it's a season of. I know that I'm closer to God when I say I recognize this is for a reason and it's a good reason and at the end of it there's going to be something good. Something good's gonna come out of it. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Thank you for joining us for today's message at New Generation Church. For more information, visit us at ECNG